the ocean and God is just a part of reasoning and homosexuals are genetically implanted. I'm going to tell you what, we're living in a day and age where man has gone stark raving mad. The reason is he's trying to excuse his sin. He wants to ignore God. But friend of mine, God put in the heart of every man a conscience and the spirit down underneath his soul. And there's nothing in the world that satisfies like the presence of a living God. Hallelujah. I have heard enough tonight to let me know that we are in the will of God. You know, I really feel last night like gates were open for some of you. And I feel like God has yet to do some great things with this church. I'm going to tell you what, you got a revival church. This church is not second class. This church is God's finest. Hallelujah. You say, well, friend, I don't see stained glass and big steeples and huge parking lots full of Cadillacs. God ain't listening. God don't care. God will use the small things to confound the wise. And when it's revealed from heaven, God will say there was a church over on East 17th that preached the truth and had the power. Where were you? Well, I was over there, you know, with the guy that had the big line and all the money. God said, I was never in that. You may be saying, well, man, who made you judge? God's going to hold me accountable according to the judgment that I use that He put in my soul through the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about judging my brother. I'm talking about judging the faults from the true. Hallelujah! This thing's as clear as black and white. The problem is, people like it a little furry. People like it a little gray. So they can excuse their carnality. My God, I didn't come here to preach fire and brimstone tonight. But I will preach in the Holy Ghost. If you would stand with me for the reading of the Word of God, I'd like to draw your attention to Luke chapter 4. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 incredible portion of scripture the words of jesus christ if you don't have a bible please look on with someone we want you to know that we're in the book around here we're not just all frothing at the mouth because we were rejects from society we're in the book that's why we're excited the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now one of the things that makes this scripture so unique is it's first quoted in Isaiah 61. Jesus is fulfilling that Old Testament prophecy here in Luke chapter 4. 
The difference being, in verse 19, Jesus said to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That verse is not complete. If you go to Isaiah 61, and he also said to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. We are not in a day of vengeance. We are a day of acceptability to our God. That's a glorious, glorious thing. Because when the day of vengeance comes, friend, there's no more. You can't go back. But we are in the dispensation of grace. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And verse 19. Oh, thank God for water. You know, the devil doesn't like water, Pastor. <laughs> That's right. We're washed by the water. We're baptized in the water. One writer said you're saved by baptism in water. We're sprinkled by blood, but we're immersed in water. Keep that sprinkling business out of the water. John chapter 20, verse 19. Jesus Christ, after His resurrection, returning unto the disciples. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Please listen closely. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Now notice, they're behind barricaded walls. The windows were closed. The door was barricaded because they were afraid of the Jews. Jesus walked right through a wall and said, Peace be still be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Showed the wounds. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. The message I am to preach to you tonight, walls, wounds, and wholeness. Walls, wounds, and wholeness. And there are many among us that have wounds behind walls. God, we love you. We praise you. We stand in your awesome presence tonight. We're thankful, Father, for the power of your presence that we felt in this service already. God, I pray that the power of your Spirit, God, brings illumination to every heart and every mind. That they can understand the glorious power that is resident at your hand. Father, we ask it humbly tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody say, Amen. You may be seated. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Hallelujah, we're in the presence of royalty tonight. Hallelujah. Walls, wounds, and wholeness. In this last portion of Scripture that I read in your hearing, it's a very profound Scripture indeed. When we break down the exact setting of the Lord's appearance, there were few that had seen the Lord after His resurrection. But this is the first appearance that Jesus makes to the twelve, the eleven, I should say. After following the Lord for three years, listening to His words and seeing His miracles, 
seen the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost by the hands of the Master. They were barricaded behind walls. It didn't matter that they had walked with Him for three years, they were still filled with fear. Barricaded behind walls, behind closed doors, they assembled for fear. The Lord, recognizing this, making His appearance and wanting it to be made known, walked through the wall. The first thing He did to their troubled hearts was said, Peace. The second thing He did when there was peace among them, showed them wounds. And then, they were glad. Hallelujah. I want to bring certain things to your hearing tonight that may be some things that uh, you maybe have never heard before. I do not wish to upset the apple cart of theological debate, but I want to give you some things to consider tonight. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 4, the very first scripture that I read in your hearing tonight, we see that Jesus Christ introduced His gospel in the synagogue by reading the fulfillment of what was quoted by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 61. And I'd like to read it again to you. Jesus saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. There is ever a day and an hour in which this scripture ought to be fulfilled. It's in the year 1992 when people are run committing Harry Carey to find the needs of their sin-filled soul. Hallelujah. But the very first thing that I want to bring to your cognizant understanding tonight is the fact that there was a direct distinction between the gospel of Jesus Christ and his earthly ministry. As I said, you may not have ever heard this before, but I think that after you give me audience tonight, that you will be able to see scripturally that there was a very distinct difference between these two elements. In Luke chapter 24, verses 46 and 47, the Lord, by His own mouth, gave His definition of the gospel. He says, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Paul also reiterates in a stronger form found in 1 Corinthians 15 essentially the same thing. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Both Jesus and Paul's definition of the Gospel is the death the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. If you get out of these Scriptures and you can mingle it any way you want, you can talk about the death, you can talk about the burial, you can talk about the resurrection and all those denominal forces that have done just that and dissected it in just a way that it backs up the theology. But if it's not according to the Scriptures, which the Lord Jesus said and the Apostle Paul, it's not truth. Hallelujah. The gospel is the good news of the kingdom of God and of salvation to be received by faith on the basis of the death, the burial, and the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
But the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was on a different wavelength than the fullness of His purpose in fulfilling the gospel. Hallelujah. The physical healing of the Lord Jesus Christ brought a validating testimony of His deity and His power. You may remember according to the Scriptures, when John the Baptist was in prison, he sent messengers to the Lord seeking validation if it was He or should He seek another. And this is what the Lord's reply was to the messengers. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. I believe in John testified to this. He received his validation. If you've come into this sanctuary tonight and after hearing the testimony of these people that were delivered from bondage and delivered from carnality and perversion, if that's not testimony that there's truth in this house, what seek ye? What validation do you seek tonight of a God that's able to change the human element? Hallelujah! Other examples of the healing ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 3 it says, For He healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon Him for to touch Him. Mark chapter 5 says that the wild man of Gadara had a legion of devils cast out of him. Matthew chapter 8 says, equal to the AIDS epidemic of our day, speaking unto lepers, the Lord said, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus said, I will be thou clean. And immediately their leprosy was cleansed. Listen closely. Jesus also restored the man's withered hand, raised Lazarus from the dead, rebuked earthly forces of nature, walked on water, fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes rebuked unclean spirits cast out devils rebuked the devil to his face turned water into wine raised a child from the dead forgave sins of adultery was transformed on a mountaintop made the lame to walk opened blinded eyes healed the deformed healed the, the widow with the issue of blood healed the centurion servant and there are also many things that John wrote which Jesus did the which if they should be written every one of them I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books of the things that he did hallelujah but the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus only was a means to back up his gospel well, let's put our hands together and praise the Lord Hallelujah. Jesus' tremendous evidence of physical, spiritual, and mental healings culminated with the greatest miracle of all, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Most of the healings and miracles were done to people who had not received the gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before this night's through, friend, you're going to find out that within the bosom of every child of God and to every human being, 5.4 billion of them is the power to have every single thing in their life taken away. But there must be some things, there is a criteria to be met.
Why is it that most of the people that received their miracles did not have a chance to receive the gospel? Because John 7.38 said that he was not yet glorified. The Holy Ghost was not yet able to be received by man. The Lord sought to build belief and faith in them by meeting their specific needs so that they might or could believe the gospel after he had been resurrected and ascended up into heaven. The earthly ministry was just a modus apparatus of God allowing man to see a glimpse of the power that was resident in this man, Jesus Christ, so that they might believe the gospel. I earnestly believe tonight that the reason that we're not winning this world like we need to is because the devil has got us into the arena of doctrinal sorting. If he can get us to first battle you with our doctrine and put a negative in your mind that you'll never understand the power that rests in our bosom. And I believe as apostolics we need to understand that the very most important thing in our lives is that they first feel God through us. And I appreciate what this man said tonight about allowing yourself to be a witness. Hallelujah, because that is the most effective thing. Jesus knew that when he healed. He knew that these are going to be very witnesses. And when the time comes, they'll believe the gospel because I've got some witnesses. Hallelujah. Are you a witness tonight? Or are you just an observer? Are you part of the body? Or are you on the outside looking in tonight? Do you want piece of the pie? Or do you want to stand up and watch others have it all? Hallelujah. John chapter 14 and verse 12 says this. Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. The Lord was saying that when you receive this Holy Ghost power, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, when I go away, that's okay, because when you receive the Holy Ghost, you'll receive power. We can't expect the denominal world to have the revival that God wants to give. They ain't got the power. You may say, well, I can feel God, and I feel like I'm right with God. If it, it's not according to the Scriptures, you'll never have the fullness of the power that He had. Hallelujah. 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 Mm. God's fixing to do some things around here tonight. The ministry described in Luke chapter 4, 418 is a spiritual inner ministry that takes place in the inner man. What Jesus did while he was on earth in the physical was only a type of what he was able to do in the spiritual. The, the difference being, he could not do it in the spiritual till he was ascended and in the bosom of every child of God through the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! The very first thing that the Lord came to do, friend of mine, was to preach the gospel to the poor. Hallelujah! That word poor has very little to do with monetary gain. It means one who crouches and cowers. As a noun, it means a beggar. To cower down or hide oneself for fear. Intimidation and rejection. 
The greatest human fear that beats in the heart of every human being is the fear of rejection and the fear of failure. And the reason why some of you give up on yourself and give up on God is because you're afraid. I curse that spirit tonight and let the love of God put you back together. Hallelujah. Jesus first came to restore relationships. Hallelujah. When Adam and Eve had fallen in the garden, they lost the relationship with God. They lost the relationship with one another. And they lost the relationship within themselves. But Jesus Christ came to rebuild the relationship with the Father. And came to give us relationship to one another. But then it doesn't end there. He wants to put you back together with yourself. When I get done tonight, you're going to see exactly this principle that as far as I'm concerned, it's gone unnoticed far too long and the power is within our reach. Hallelujah. Before any other healing in the human dimension can begin, a person must obey the gospel. And in obedience to the gospel, you receive the Holy Ghost. You see, the miracles that Jesus Christ did when He was here was a validation that He was who He said He was. But now He's in the Spirit. Now He can work on the inner man. That's the whole concept of His ministry, is to work on the inside. Because that's where you're destroyed. That's where the hang-ups are. That's where the scars are. That's where the wounds are. But there'll be no further healing because the very first thing he came to do is to preach the gospel to the fearful. Romans 8.15 says, We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1 says, We have not received the spirit of fear. Hallelujah. Perfect love, which is the love of God, casts out fear. Some of you are so fearful at the core of your whole lifestyle is fear of rejection. Fear of what everybody's going to think. Do I say the right things? Do I look the part? It's fear and it's not the love of God. Hallelujah. Ann Landers receives an average of 10,000 letters a month. She was once asked, what was the most common of all common problems of all the letters that received? Out of the 10,000 letters, she says the most common problem is fear. People are afraid out there. The reason they drink, the reason they're in perversion, the reason they go to the bars, the reason they do drugs, at the basis of it all is they're afraid. Jesus also came to heal the brokenhearted. The word heal means to make whole. The word broken means to rub together as to shatter or break in pieces by crushing. Divorce. One out of every two marriage ends in divorce. You know what that does? It tears the human spirit. Because when the two become one and there's a departure, it automatically tears the human spirit. And the human beings that are subject to that have to fill those pockets or wounds with something. Children of divorce. 
They're coming out of the woodwork. You go into these Walden books or these secular bookstores and see the books written by Roseanne Barr and these Jackson people. They're coming out of the woodwork how they were molested as children at the hands of, a, of uh, alcoholic parents. They're coming out all over the place. And we've got the power that within the bosom of every man, woman, and child can be put back together. It's not psychology. It's Holy Ghost. You think God just shines up the outside? You're crazy. God wants to make you whole. God wants to make you an overcomer. But some of us are so afraid because we've never really received the gospel. Because when you get the Holy Ghost, which is the love of God, it casts out all fear. Children of alcoholics, the death of a spouse or a loved one where there is grief. Maybe you guys never heard this kind of preaching before. I'm going to tell you what. You talk to these guys at AA, find out their families that have been lost. Their precious loved ones are turning their back on them because of their problem. I'm telling you what, you'll see some broken hearts. And there's only one, AA can't do nothing about the broken heart, friend. It might put a psychological whammy on you so that you can put down the bottle through repetition, but it'll never put together the inner man, which is the ministry of Jesus Christ in the Holy Ghost, is to put you back together. This world's starving for this gospel because they're dying on the inside. Jesus came to preach deliverance of the captives. It means a release from bondage or imprisonment, drugs, alcohol, sexual perversion, filthy habits of mind, spirit, and body, oppression, depression, repression, and suppression. You say that's pretty heavy language for the, for the house of God. I'm here to tell you, friend, it's time we start playing hardball. There's a different breed of cats coming in the church that need some meat, that need reality, that need the power of God Almighty in the Holy Ghost. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. He's able. He's There's people here tonight, you're scared to death. I'm not the big shot with the microphone. I'm a human being that was nobody, still am. I'm just in Christ Jesus. And as long as I stay there, I'll get put back together. And I'll be an overcomer by the word of my testimony. And His blood will make me whole. And it'll heal whatever comes my way. But see, what we don't understand is even in our Christian walk, through sin, mistakes, we can open the door to demonic oppression. How is it that we can be delivered when we come to God and maybe two, three, four years down the road we're back under something else? It was the intention of God that you would always have the joy. It don't matter if you feel it. It's just the fact of knowing that God's on the other side and He's going to make it right because He's already paid the price. 
I bind that spirit of distraction. There's distraction that's sweeping across here. There's some of you that need what I'm preaching tonight. You're so desperately needing to move from your place of fear and torment. You don't know what to do. I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost, God's able, God's ready, God's willing. Five hundred thousand people around the world commit suicide a day because they get the devil on their back. The message that was preached last night maybe had given some of you some illumination, but it did not answer the deeper questions in your soul. I'm here to give you a word of confidence and encouragement tonight. God knows exactly where you're at, and He's wanting to put you back together. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 says this, speaking of Jesus Christ, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. We need to understand, folks, and I say this respectfully, but living for God according to this wonderful apostolic truth is more than just showing up for church. And I know I've hit on that hard, but I want you to see the other side of this thing. It's based on relationship. I'm going to forge on here. He came to bring recovering of sight to the blind. This one phrase is omitted from Isaiah chapter 61. I'm going to tell you why I personally think. In Luke chapter 4 verse 18, the scriptures I'm reading and you're hearing tonight, they are spiritual healing. Recovering of sight to the blind, in my opinion, is referring to the backslider. That word recovery, I've, recovering it, I've studied out, it does not mean initial. It means restitution. Of sight. Some of you are like Samson. You've toyed with fornication. And the devil's pulled your eyes out. And you're slaving around the grinding wheel. I'm here to say that through the Holy Ghost. Your vision can be restored. Your power can be put back in your hand. If you're willing. The devil's trying to wear you out. To make you believe that God can't do it. I'm here to tell you it's part of his gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4 says that the God of this world blinds the mind of them which believe not. When a child of God slips up and falls back, there's an instantaneous flooding of the mind of unbelief. There's two kind of backsliders. Those that want to come back but don't know how and those that don't want to come back. Which one are you tonight? If you want to come back and you don't know how, there's a force that is resisting you because the Father's waiting at home to put the robe around your back and slay the fatted calf and put the ring of authority on your hand and say, He which was lost is found. That word recovering means restitution and restoration. I honestly believe with all my heart that one of the great end time moves of God is going to be inner healing. Because we are living in, in the United States as a Disneyland for devils. Oh, you can be close to the pastor, you can be in the choir, you can be everybody's buddy-buddy, but on the inside you're dying! That's not the will of God! And it was never part of His ministry! 
the ministry is to make you whole. He don't care if it takes months or years. He loves you. Hallelujah. The devil don't like this preaching. That's tough. It's going forth. And people will receive it. And people will be made whole. And people will go on and be part of revival. Because it's the will of God. It's good to see Sister... What's her name? Sister Sadie. It's good to see you. God bless you. She's received the gospel. Her, her, her healing just begun. No, I don't want to cross any theological swords here tonight because I respect Brother Elder to the max. We need about a zillion more of these guys sprinkled all across this wasteland of a nation. But I want you to listen careful, carefully. Church, please listen. Visitor. When Israel was crossing the Jordan, God said, you're going into the promised land. I'm giving it to you. But He said, you're not going to take all the land at once. Now listen. There's a spiritual dynamic here. He said, you're going to drive out the enemy little by little. The reason that the Lord left some enemies there is because the enemies he leave, leaves are to monitor your growth. And as you begin to grow, you drive out the bigger enemies. If he had given them all the land, he said, your beasts will increase and eat all the fields. Your blessings will get so big, you won't care about serving me. He left some enemies in your life so that you'd grow. You'd seek him. He needs to leave a little crisis in your life so that you're dependent. But some of you have been defeated and you don't know what to do. I'm here to tell you, God's going to drive them out tonight if you believe. I can't remember how many times in Isaiah 40, 41, 42, and 43, after Israel fallen in fornication, idolatry, had their children walk in the fire to Molech and Sargon. He said, come back and your sins will be white as snow. Let us plead together. It didn't matter. He loves you. And the job's not done because you're not whole. There was a man that was blind from birth. Jesus touched his eyes. Listen closely. Another spiritual dynamic. He said, what do you see? He said, I see his men. There is trees walking. Some of you received the Holy Ghost. You've been faithful. You're good saints. But you're intimidated. You're scared to death. Some of those things entered in your childhood. And the Holy Ghost hasn't got that deep yet to erase those concepts. You're relying on some of that. You come to church and you're faithful, but some of those concepts court down your soul and bring you back under. Why? Because the devil was there and he knows what works. But he touched him a second time. He said, what do you see now? He says, I see all men clearly. Some of you need the second touch. You've gotten hard. You've become systematic to program and form. 
you need a second touch so that you can be what God's called you to be. Forget, don't measure yourself among yourself. You're not wise. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith and be all you can be for him. Oh, yes, you can. You're looking at a man that was torn to shreds. I'm put together tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost. The deepest healing that can come to the human dimension. He came to set at liberty them that are bruised. And it is the deepest healing because it's in regards to the past. There's a lot of modern day writers, denominal writers that are into this healing of memories. I don't believe in the healing of memories. There's some very good writers. David Siemens is a tremendous uh, Christian psychologist writer, but he's off on this one. Going back into your childhood and all that stuff, you don't need to do that. God can't change what happened yesterday, but He can change you from being affected by yesterday. The word liberty means dismissal, release, forgiveness. The word bruise means to smite, broken by calamity, shattered. They that have been broken by the effects of sin, either by their own hand or at the hands of others. Now, I'm going to get kind of graphic here tonight, but I'm going to do it because some people need their address. These are people that are bondage to guilt and shame. Incest, molestation, homosexuality, rape. You say, preacher, we ain't supposed to say that stuff in church. Baloney. If God can't heal that stuff, He can't heal nothing. My Bible tells me where sin abound, God went over it and said, I already took that bitter cup. I took it all. I was identified with it all. So could you could be healed. The painful memories from childhood. Family abuses at the hand of a mom, a dad, an uncle, or brother, or sister have warped your self-esteem and your self-image and abound you in shame. You can't function as a single person. You can't function as an adult in a marriage. You're behind walls tonight. The tragedy of experience through deep guilt over a past act or deed, whether you were the culprit or you were the victim. People that are incest victims have are in bondage to shame because they feel the devil attacks them saying that you were no good, that someone would do that to you. Young men that are trapped in homosexuality usually have a very early experience before or during adolescence, and it alters their sexual performance, their, their sexual orientation. They associate pleasure at the wrong age, at the wrong time, before everything else is supposed to, to culminate. I've read all kinds of psychological weird stuff about homosexuality and stuff, and I'm not going to plug too hard on this, but there's a lot of people in our churches that are plagued with this. And they've got the Holy Ghost. They're good saints, but this thing gnaws at their soul and they don't know what to do. I'm here to tell you, the devil knows where that open door is. Let's shut it tonight and let God wash away your past and get set on a rock. There's a lot of weirdos that think that lesbianism and homosexuality will be okay with God. Seeking teachers having itching ears. 
The devil's telling a zillion lies out there. The truth of the matter is, God wants to heal. But a lot of people won't hold on. I'm going to prove that to you here in a minute. In John chapter 20, the review of our text. These guys were as Christians as anybody. Oh, they hadn't received the Holy Ghost, but how much validation do you need of a guy's ministry? Three years, they'd seen casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead. But they were afraid. Let's worship the Lord for a minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody's saying, hey, this ain't evangelistic. I'm here to tell you, this is, evangel is modern-day evangelism. Maybe 20, 30 years ago, the biggest deal in our, in our congregations was a recovered alcoholic. I'm here to tell you, you're de we're dealing with a different breed of cats that are, that are dysfunctional from the crib. Jesus moved through the walls. And so that they could relate or they could understand or they could grasp the power that was before them. But first, He assured them by saying, Peace. You're afraid behind your walls tonight, friend. Some of you are insensitive and indifferent. You're hard to this preaching. I'm not saying that I'm only saying that for your benefit because you need to let God in. You are desperately in need of a move of God. Mm. But the Lord walked through their wall. If you'll let Him, He'll walk through the wall of your heart tonight. Not with condemnation. That's what the devil's telling you. Jesus wants to say, I can relate. See these scars? In Isaiah chapter 53, we see probably, if not the greatest, it is the greatest that I can think of, Scripture, that validates what the Lord Jesus Christ took at the cross. It says in Isaiah 53 in verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The greatest fear that every human being faces is the fear of judgment by an Almighty God and the fear of rejection from fellow man. Jesus was rejected and despised. Hallelujah. The word despised in the Hebrew means disdain or a vile person. Hallelujah. The Bible goes on to say that He was acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from Him. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. That word acquainted in the Hebrew means broken hearted. Verse 4 of that great chapter says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. That means this. Grief and sorrows means inner brokenness and pain in the Hebrew. Stricken means to lay a hand upon, to punish, defeat, and destroy. The word smitten there means to wound and punish. The word afflicted means to, a, a, to abase, to depress. Verse 5 says this. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. That word wounded there means to dissolve, to break, to profane. That word bruised there means to crumble, to beat to pieces, to break in pieces. The word chastisement means correction. And the, the word stripes there means bruise, wound, stripe. 
and hurt. Hallelujah. The revelation I'm trying to get across to this congregation tonight is he was wounded that he might put back together. He took stripes that he might heal. He was oppressed that he might deliver. He was bruised that he might set at liberty. He was rejected that he might break the shackles of fear. Everything on the inner man that tortures and torments, he already took on his body and on his person to make you and I whole. Why is it we come up for prayer for our physical bodies but let the inner man just go to pot? The inner man oftentimes is the source of outer dysfunction. In James chapter 5 he said let him confess his sins then he'll be made whole. But the problem is listen closely church. I know I'm a long-winded preacher, man. I'm glad this church bears with me. But there's some of you that need God so desperately. Please listen closely as I, listen, as I read the continuing what the Lord said after He read, introducing His ministry in Luke 4. And He closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on Him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. You know, people will say, man, that sounds real good. That sounds like the greatest thing I ever heard. That all these people that are sitting on bar stools, all these guys that are out committing adultery, all these homosexuals and all these gay bars can be healed. Jesus described every single healing in the human dimension in Luke 4, verse 18. The problem's coming. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Hey, this is great, but who do you think you are? And he said unto them, you will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. Listen closely. And he said, truly I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Not everybody's going to receive this message. You might want to go to church and sit in the synagogue, but when it comes to a move of God in your soul, you won't accept it. And here's why. And he said, But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, that was her name, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. Now this is going to blow your mind. Elijah prayed that there wasn't rain for this whole period of time. There were widows of God's own people that died because there was a famine. And there was only one widow that the prophet went to. You might remember the story. Please listen closely. Elijah walked up to her, to her picket fence. said, where are you going? Or he said, give me to eat. What do you have to eat? She says, I have a little meal. My son and I are going to eat. And then we're going to die. Desperation and depression. The prophet says, give me what you have. Make me a cake. And you'll have more than you can handle. She obeyed the word of the prophet. And not only got more meal than she could handle, she got her son healed. 
brought back from the dead, if I can remember correctly. But the prophet spread eagle over her son. When he came back, she ran out and said, my son's dead. He went in and took care of it. One more, one more thing here. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah. Elijah was the first one. Elisha was the second prophet. And none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. What's the Lord saying here? Naaman was the king of the enemy army. He was the only leper in the whole, in the whole world that got divine healing. Why? Because the prophets that God sent to his own country weren't accepted. But the outside world accepted him. But these two healings, if you remember Naaman the prophet, when Elijah said, go and dip yourself seven times, he put up a fuss. Because his royal robes were going to hit the dirt. How degrading to have a king have to dip seven times. But he did it. And he was made whole. What's the principle, preacher, you're getting to? Patience and obedience. And a lot of people won't stick around to get their healing. They'll go right back to sin. God will lead you up against an enemy in your land. You'll say, whoa, this giant's too big. I'm taking off, God. And you'll run back to the enemy and run back into Egypt and embrace sin. It'd be seven times worse when God wanted to make you whole. He came to deliver. He came to heal. He came to shed blood. He came to take bruises. He came to be wounded. He came to take all your misery and your torment to let you know in the Holy Ghost, I'm able to put you back together tonight if you'll believe and you'll hang on. Let's stand. I recognize that a lot that was talked about tonight was teaching. Half of it was preaching and half of it was teaching. So be it. They're both ministries. God is able to make you so whole and so close to Him in the Holy Ghost that you are walking in a rarefied atmosphere of relationship with God every day. The problem is that we get into these situations in our Christian walk or in our earthly walk and we don't think God's able and we coexist with the problem. The problem with a service like this right now, and I'm not apologizing, I'm just trying to be as sensitive as I can, is some of you have walls. You see, until we get rid of this fear among us and have a spirit of honesty, we'll never really be able to touch the masses in their deeper needs. Because a, a lot of our testimonies will be superficial to them. They smoke, they drink, but their deeper need is they were abused when they were a child. Sexually molested when they were 14. And all the, all the drugs and all the alcohol are just symptomatic of the deeper problem. See, those are just symptoms. The real problem is there's a lost soul, a wounded heart, held in bondage and captivity of deep guilt. The devil's trying to get to this, this world's need before God can. That's why all these...
psychologists and psychiatrists are jumping out of windows listening to everybody else's problems. Anxiety and stress and depression are the biggest problems in America today. And you know what? Five minutes in the presence of Jesus Christ and they can be absolutely whole. God's got to have a witness. You see, pastor, church, you're not just looking at a guy that was hooked on drugs and alcohol. You're looking at a guy that had problems from day one. I'm going to be giving my personal testimony Sunday night. Please bring everybody you can in here. Not because my story is so great. But because I believe that God will meet human need through my testimony. Because He met mine. But some of us are hiding behind walls tonight. I can understand that because, you see, we are a community and we want to be respectable in everybody's eyes. But there comes a time, friend, when you let God do the deeper work that He really called you out to do. I'm so sick and tired of the world pointing finger at the apostolics and go, look at that measly bunch. They got the smallest building. They got the weirdest looking hairdos. They act like a bunch of idiots. I'm going to tell you something. There ain't another church in this city that preaches this kind of gospel. You want to know why? Because they're scared they won't have the tithe payers. You preach it too straight and you lose everybody. So be it. A prophet's not accepted in his own country. Not everybody wants it. Wides the gate. But I believe there's some here tonight that you want what this man's been preaching about tonight. You don't have to confess to me. You don't have to confess to anybody except to Jesus Christ. You know where you're at with God. God knows where you're at. He's put you under a magnifying glass tonight to let you know I want you going on in power and in wholeness. Let's pray, church. God, we need a move of God in every heart, every soul, and every mind in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Kandriya moho shatalava bahayatayalava mohoya.
I want to do something a little bit different tonight. Hallelujah. I want a saint. If you're sitting near a visitor, I want you to take the visitor. Not by force, of course. I want you to bring him up here. Just come over here to my left. Come on, we're not going to bite you. We're going to have everybody come up. But I want to give you the best seat in the house. Everybody that's visiting tonight, if you're a saint and you see some people that are visiting, go over and tell them to come on. Right over here is fine. I see a couple right back over there. You say, hey, we ain't supposed to do that. We might offend somebody. I'd be offended if nobody asked me up here. 